I'm Damian Johnson. I'm AJ Atkinson. I'm Fairbanks Ray Jr. And welcome to the DPT Expedition. We are current physical therapy students in Boston. Discussing our real life experiences and perspectives in a real, unedited fashion. All right, welcome back to the DPT Expedition. This is episode five, and my name is Damian Johnson. Um, I'm here with my co-hosts, AJ and Fairman. How y'all doing today? Good, Dame. What's going on with you? I'm chilling, bro. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's good to have you guys here again. All right, so today we're going to get into a topic that's near and dear to me, and that's going to be mental health. Um, and more specifically, we're going to be targeting why mental health is such a stigma in the black community, especially when it comes to men. And um, I, I have a personal experiences with this, you know, um, my views on mental health back then was completely different to how it is now. Um, I was one of those guys who didn't want to talk about their feelings. And, you know, I stored a lot of shit up and it, it was bad. So um, I'm definitely hype about this episode and uh, let's get into it. So let me start. Let me start off with this question. Um, why is it such, why is it such a problem for the, for the black community to talk about, you know, the mental health? Why do you guys think that's like such a huge stigma? I can take a stab at this one first. Just speaking personally, I think it has to do with a lot of the upbringing, um, especially black men in, in culture. Um, we're supposed to be seen as like strong, um, individuals who can take care of their families, um, don't let things bother them because of course, as we know, like the world's been beating us down forever. So we can't show any weakness. Um, and that's why like, it's uh, such a diss when people say something in regards to calling a man weak, like the B word, for example, in our community, you call a black man the B word, it's like ridiculously <laughs> insulting. Um, and so I think it has to do, you know, mostly with uh, how our community has come up. Um, so there isn't like a, a big space for people to, you know, sit down and have one-on-one -on -one real talks and express themselves and um, say when they're feeling, feeling vulnerable and things like that um, because they're seen as weak or they're seen as having a problem. And um, you don't, you don't want to seem like that. Uh, so not only is it, you know, a problem personally where you can't express it yourself. Uh, going to a professional, like a psychiatrist, is just, you know, almost taboo. Because it's like, if I actually go to this ther uh, therapist or psychologist, I'm admitting to having an issue. And then it's even worse because when you admit to it, then it's like everyone knows already now. So um, I just say personally that I feel like that's been the way I see the stigma. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to kind of get out of that. Um, I mean, we're, we're pushing forward, like mental health is so important, especially in our community where we've been through, you know, very traumatic experiences. Like it's, it's almost a, a need at this point. So, um, yeah, that, I don't know. I feel like that stigma is just kind of weird. Like, I don't know where the root of it is, but I just know, I remember growing up and hearing that all the time, like, Oh, like, yeah, you, you go to a psychiatrist, like, you you weak, like, you soft, or, oh, like, why are you telling me how you feel? Like, I don't want to hear that. Like, I'm hard, all this stuff. Like, it's, it's interesting, but at the same time, it's like, 
we, we got to find a, a different route because too many people are, you know, suffering for us to just think like it's a, a negative thing. Yeah, AJ, I think you, you hit a lot of important points. I think just for me to, to add on that, like I agree with everything you said. I think for, from my perspective, I think uh, it's just you get clowned so much for being the emotional one. Um, like I was the biggest crybaby, like I think ever. Like I was so used to getting what I want and when I don't get it, you start to cry. But then everyone's like, oh, you weak, you soft. So you just get tired of hearing that. And then it's like, all right, I gotta hide, I gotta hide how I really feel and put on the front so that people will, will stop saying I'm weak and start and like, just like, you know, saying, to so start saying good things about me instead of words like, like that. So I just learned to, you know, you gotta, you gotta hide how you feel and, and just roll with the punches because you're, you're built to take that because that's kind of just how you've been ingrained to, to be. And so as you get older, you just learn to kind of hide your feelings and hide how you really feel. And you don't really say nothing when you feel in some type of way. And it gets harder and harder to admit that you need help, that you're, that you're feeling some type of way and you need resources out there to get the help that you need. And so I think that's what, you know, that that's kind of why it's hard. And then also like, just, you know, with, you know, at least for me, how my parents grew up, they're not from the States. They come from a different country. And, you know, if you, if you do the, if you start, you know, talking back or, you know, or crying, then you're, you're like cast aside and you're like sent, you're like sent away for like doing some things that are pretty normal now. So it's just, you do learn that hardness and then that's what you grew up in. So then you teach your kids that, and it's just a cycle and cycle. And, you know, to be, you know, the one to kind of break that cycle, it takes a lot because your family's not really not going to understand it because that's not how they grew up. And they're just trying to, it's like a protective mechanism, I guess you could say. So that's what they know. That's what's safe. And someone trying to do something different, trying to reach out, go get help. It's, it's seen upon as like disrespectful. And that's a whole nother thing that you got to slide into a whole other issue that you got to slide into. So it's just a cycle that keeps going, but you got to, someone got to break it and you got to, you know, understand that you need help, understand that, you know, the way that might've worked for your parents will not, might not work for you. And you got to kind of got to take things into your, your own hands. Yeah, I definitely agree with you that. Uh, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, I, I think you have some competition when it comes to being like the, the biggest crybaby, uh, crybaby because I used to be like a huge crybaby. Um, I, I used to cry so much that my, my, even my uncle cry, um, threatened to put a dress on me at one point I was like damn <laughs> so basically I, I feel like the stigma was born in like how we view how um the boys and and the girls should act so basically um when girls fall right they fall on the ground they cry that I think that's normal and then when a when a boy falls on the ground then they cry um you know we the, the parents they they be like you know just walk it off, stop crying, stop being like a, a little pussy, you know? And um, uh, basically, I think it starts from there. And then as you get older, you don't want to be seen as like that crybaby, that soft person anymore. So you don't complain anymore. You don't cry anymore. But you're still experiencing like all these, you know, emotions, but they're just being stored up, right? And so you can, you can almost imagine it as, a full 
bottle of Coca-Cola and then you shake it up. And then one day you try to open it and then it just explodes. And I, I think that's, it, this could be a whole nother podcast, but I think that's what really leads into like the violence and like, you know, our communities and stuff. Um, I, I know for me, uh, I kind of hinted on this on the last episode. I went from crying to being like violent in school and like always getting into fights to like defend myself and stuff like that. And then I had a tra- transition from violence into like, you know, comedy and, you know, start making people laugh and, um, you know, defending myself with like jokes and stuff like that. So it, it's, it's the root of the stigma is definitely within the parenting and um, the childhood. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with what both of you guys have said. Like it's, it's sad to think about because there's so many issues just like pervading the community and how, you know, our upbringing just shows like, we have we have flaws like it, it's it's uh, human nature, but the way we deal with them is interesting. And I just wanted to bring up this point because I always find it so interesting. Um, and this can be a whole other topic on another podcast. We won't get too far into it now. But there's this um, like misogynic, misogynistic, like sexist undertone to what we're talking about in this whole mental health, like saying you know calling someone a a bitch or a pussy like it's seen as an insult because you're seen as being feminine or weak which shouldn't be the case at all because you know i was raised by a black female and i think she's one of the strongest people i've ever met in my life i wouldn't consider calling someone something that's related to feminine feminine or feministic characteristics as being weak but you know our upbringing in a black community thinks like oh if you like a female you soft like you ain't a real man, that type of thing. So it's, you know, it's kind of interesting that that's the way we go to call each other weak when in reality, like, it shouldn't be that way at all. So I just wanted to bring up that point. I always found it interesting when I was growing up. But um, kind of going back into our upbringing, uh, I wanted to shoot this question to you guys. Um, I don't know if it was the same for everyone, but, um, you know, school and how you're progressing through elementary, middle and high, I noticed like it wasn't as big of a priority of mental health uh, pre- preservation and that type of thing. So why is mental health so ignored, do you feel, in school progression up until college? I'll try and take a stab at that one. Um, I, I, I went to a, a K-12 school and it was pretty small. I think we had one guidance counselor, but one guidance counselor being responsible for 400-ish kids. And that, that's a lot, that's a, that's a big, big ratio so I think right there that's that's not like you need more in schools but maybe there's just not the funding that's available because um, trying to have one guidance counselor for 400 kids can't even imagine when it's like at a big school where there's like 2,000 3,000 kids if you only got one guidance counselor they're gonna be booked like all day and they're gonna burn out they're gonna be hearing some serious things that they might not know how to handle or just back to back to back to back to back that just builds and builds and builds and just gets tiring. So they might just leave and then you're left with no guidance. So I think one would be to get, there's not enough in schools and whether that's because of funding, whether that's the school's decision to not have, bring on more, I don't know what the answer to that is. But also I think probably just like, if you know, if you get called to the guidance counselor's office and you know you got to leave class or you got to it, it kind of 
puts attention on you that you don't really want people knowing. So I think if you were called into the guidance counselor, you're already like, uh, everyone's going to think this, everyone's going to think that. So I'm not going to speak to you because what if it gets out? And then just keeps piling on, keeps piling on. So I, I think those two are probably the biggest reasons why I can think why mental health kind of ignored elementary, middle, high school. And as you get into college, you get more resources, you get, you're more independent, you know, you're kind of starting over again. So I think it's, you're more likely to go find those resources, go get that help. But in, in grade school, it's kind of, kind of a little harder. Yeah. So to contrast what Fairbank said, um, I was in public school and um, we had like a good, like five guidance counselor. I think we had like about 400 to 500 students. So it's, it's a little bit better ratio, but you know, it's still lacking. Um, I think, I think especially back then, I don't think um, children mental health was like taken seriously compared to like today with all like the mass shootings going on and stuff like that. I feel like they just chalked it up to like kids being kids. And um, I know with me, I had like a lot of um, guidance counseling because I used to fight like a lot in, in school. And, you know, I, I never took it seriously. Um, I just stared at the, the guidance counselor. <laughs> I, I, never, I never talked. Um, I, I just wanted to escape the, the class at that time and like just play the games. I think everybody looked forward to guidance counselor time just to play like um, guess who and you know stuff like that and um, I don't think it was taken seriously by both parties by like the guidance counselor or or by kids you know because I feel like if they really wanted to get to the root of the problem they could have like did a little bit more than bring out board games but it, you know like the fact that I didn't want to talk about it also stems from you know me holding in you know, all these emotions and stuff. And, and I feel like, I feel like I'm not the only one. I, I think that's like a general thing that children do. And because of that, maybe they also think that, hey, we may not get a lot out of them. So, you know, why, why make it such a big deal? You know, it's, it's just kids being kids. Yeah, um, I appreciate both of y'all for giving the personal perspective because, I mean, it's different for me. I. I think I may have seen like two or three guidance counselors in my whole time going from elementary to high school. Um, like they, I did have, I think there were like at least two or three in my high school. It was pretty big. Um, but it was, you know, not something I remember people ever talking about going to. And like Fairman, I completely agree with your point. Like once people know you're going to the guidance counselor, like it's almost like a shutoff system. Like people don't want to say anything when they get there now because it's been announced like you had to leave class for it and all this stuff. I don't know. I feel, I feel it's kind of, you know, a very important thing that we're missing because with like the rates of, you know, people being, you know, depressed and, you know, anxious and stuff and those things like gradually rising. And we all know how serious bullying is like kids are cruel nowadays. Like you have not just personal bullying, but you have, um, you know, cyberbullying and all these things um and we also kind of ignore the fact that we don't know the the situations kids go home to like there's there's trauma in the home that they receive from you know parents and family members and they don't have a good outlet or way to deal with it and then they come to school and they either like let it 
come out at a, the wrong time or they, you know, do things to other students just because they've seen it done to themselves. And I don't feel like necess necessarily it's not, you know, the school's fault because we do a terrible job as a country funding our schools. But if we could have like, you know, professional help to where we aren't just sending them to the guidance counselor so we can try and, you know, figure out what's wrong so they can go back to going to school, but figuring out what's wrong with them as a person so they can, you know, be able to go through life without having these issues. Because um, like when I got to college, uh, similar to what you guys are saying, there are so many resources. We got pamphlets and um, directions and service hours and all this stuff in the first week orientation. And so I thought it was really interesting, like, okay, now they're considering me an adult, but I have all these resources. But when I, I was a kid, that's when I went through like the roughest parts of, you know, trying to figure out who I was and being bullied and thinking of these other things about myself. So um, like Damien said, I think it's, it's becoming more important now, but back then, I don't know. It just, it just seemed like there wasn't really things that were addressing it. Cause I knew plenty of classmates that had anger issues that would get in fights that would go through crazy outbursts at the teacher um, students who wouldn't talk, who would disappear, who would uh, cry, like in the back of the class. And I'm like, the number of school shootings and uh, young kids' suicides are raising, like we have to find a, a reason for it. Like just sending this to the guidance counselor isn't enough. So yeah, I, I feel like it's something that our country needs to, you know, jump on because <laughs> like we're discussing now, mental health is, you know, just as important as physical. So um, yeah. I, I feel like they're doing a better job now because it's becoming such a national issue when unfortunately the, the travesty of kids getting shot in school is becoming, you know, new headlines, but um, there just needs to be more done, I feel, in my personal opinion. All right, so you mentioned that there's like so much more resources in college, right? Do you feel like that's a product of our money funding that or that's a product of dumb not wanting us to, I guess, drop out of college is a, is a product of them not wanting to lose money. So a good question. Uh, maybe a little bit of both. Because you're paying such high number of tuition, like cost and that type of thing, they do have more funding to give those services. So I, want, I don't want to play devil's advocate and say like they're just trying to keep you in school so that the money keeps coming. But I think it's more so like there's just more more amount of money that they can put towards those things um, because you have so many more people um, going through a big phase in their life from like 18 to 22 is like the average age. But um, yeah, I think it's just more funding at, at that time, Look, which is where I was trying to reiterate about my point, like funding of younger schools. Like if you're going to a public high school or public middle school, there should be just as like much importance on finding enough funding to have a professional on campus as it is when you get to college. But yeah, I, to answer your question, I think it's more so funding than trying to keep people on, on campus to get more money. How, how about you, man? What, what do you say about this? I, I kind of agree with AJ with the funding point, but I also think that it's kind of like, you don't want, as a program, as a school, you don't want the, the bad press to come out that, you know, kids are, kids are committing suicide after school or, you know, sexual assault, things like that. You don't want that bad kind of press coming to your school because then you're going to lose more applicants, you're going to lose students, and then you're losing money. So I think 
it's kind of a way to to try and make sure that all the all the checks are checked to make sure that hey we did everything we're supposed to do um you know to make sure that you know the kids are getting what they need and and making sure that you know no bad press comes out of you know from this place because we need the funding to continue um making money as a school as a program but that's a hard that's a hard it's a hard question to to answer i don't know if that's a, as solely my own thoughts i don't have any research to back that up but that's just you know what i what i what i think no i definitely see um both points in that you know um it's crazy how how just a little bit of money could go a long way in terms of like changing one's future and um I think when I think back on what you were saying, Ming, about how, you know, schools don't want that bad press. Um, I think before, you know, school shootings was so, was was such like an ongoing thing. I think Virginia Tech was probably like one of the first colleges that, that had that. And I think they were in the press for a long time, you know, and um, it, it, they kind of got bad publicity for it, you know, so. I can see both sides of the argument. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a tough question for sure. But I mean, it's a start that we're addressing it. But to kind of transition a little bit, um, as we're about to be healthcare workers, we're about to go on clinical in a little bit. Um, why do you guys think mental health is so important in the healthcare field and to healthcare professionals? I think it's very important for healthcare professionals to, you know, check in with their, their own mental state first because, you know, um, our patients look up to us, you know, we're, we're the ideal, um, they look, they look up to us for, you know, their care, but, you know, as physical therapists, we're not only taking care of their physical impairments, but a lot of times, you know, um, they open up to us because we actually spend a lot of times, a lot of time with our patient compared to like, uh, an MD. We, we spend like at least 30 minutes a session and then we see these people for, our patients we see them for like at least three times a week so that's a lot of time and um eventually you know you guys just start becoming closer and they start letting letting you into their lives and you know they look for you for look to you for guidance and um if you're if you're not mentally like healthy you could lead them down the wrong path as well so i think if we're going to be healthcare professionals uh, we have to be in the right mind state to to show our patients the proper path and and lead them in the in the right direction. I like that you said that, um, name. I, I didn't think of it like leading them as much, but that's a good perspective to take. I look at it like twofold. I I think there's so much importance on not just mental health in you know the health field itself, but as professionals um, in the health field. Speaking first. Uh, I think there's so many things, like I was saying, that we don't know about or we have to address. And because we're going to be physical therapists and we look at the total body, like cognition and mental state is one of the aspects. Um, and you know, you guys know as well as anyone, like when your mind's not in something or something's on your mind, your performance isn't the same. Um, same as with like, you know, comfort or willing to talk like, say someone's gone through a traumatic thing, like um, someone in their family just died or they just were sexually assaulted, like that's gonna affect your care because 
there's something bothering them to where they aren't they aren't thinking straight or they don't feel comfortable you know letting you do certain things um so addressing that and finding ways to fix it i feel is like of the utmost importance because not only are we trying to get them better to where they're better functioning in society we want them to actually be you know okay mentally to be out there and doing things um because so many times you know you're trying to get someone to you know do something that they're afraid of because they have you know a certain injury um and getting them confident to do it that's the mental aspect if to get over that fear uh so you know it's something that we're going to address and we're going to talk about and trying to help going forward as pts so i think showing an importance and you know care for it now is even more vital and as far as professionals um i mean we know now just being students but like professionals they go through things too everyone's human they have burnout moments they have stressful moments they have sad moments they have angry moments um and like you're saying dame like you want to be at the best point you can when you're dealing with patients um like you don't want to compromise their care because you're in a bad mental state which is hard to say because you never know things happen all the time you can't tell what's going to happen to you um but just to ignore it to say like oh i'm fine i treat people like i know how to deal with this would be like a fault i would say um you need to take care of your mental state just as much as you instruct your patients to and i hope to do that in the future um i feel like it's something as professionals needs to be done um <laughs> weekly or daily uh because you're dealing with people um as much as you know people love talking about like, being doctors therapists ot's and that type of thing um nurses um it wears on you because like you were saying dame like people come to you and they they become close and they tell you things and i don't care who you are like you can say you're the best conversationalist and you give the best advice but you hearing traumatic things and bad things wears on you and when it starts to wear on you mentally it comes out later uh so you need to find ways to you know combat that um make sure you're you're mentally okay find you know routes to feel better and uh take take those things into consideration because it's you know it's going to be a lifelong thing um we're here to make other people better but we can't forget ourselves it's like that old adage like you, you don't know how to love someone else until you love yourself it's the same thing with care like you can't care for someone else until you care for yourself um so i i feel like it's you know a two-way street that has to continually go uh, i i agree with with both of your guys points um i think it's it's mental health super important as a health professional because like you said, Dame, like you get to know these people, you get to know the patients and kind of the good times and the bad times. And also they get to know you and how you are um, and, and the things and the things you like, things you, the mannerisms you have, and they'll be able to see when things are changing, when things are going good and things are going bad, even if you don't think so. So I think just, you know, being aware that like I'm big on, you know, if you ask somebody to, to make some changes or try and instill behavior change that you got to be making those changes also, like you got to be about your talk. Like you can't just be telling someone to do it and you go do something totally opposite. So I think, you know, it, it's really important that, you know, you take care of yourself every day, whatever you got to do to refresh, um, to make sure that you're going to be on top of your game when you're with your patients. Cause that relationship that you have is something 
super important. And if, you know, if you ain't taking care of yourself mentally, then your patients will see that your care will probably decrease over time and then it's not fair to the patients. So I think it's super important to be on top, to be really good mental health wise, to make sure that their care moving forward for yourself and your patient is on point. I agree. I just wanted to jump in and add this too. Um, seeing as we're saying it's so important as you know, healthcare professionals to worry about mental state, not only their patient, but themselves. Uh, I feel like there needs to be, you know, instruction or classes going forward on how to address things when, you know, people do come to you and have these things uh, that they're expressing because too many times I've seen it myself, like people, I, I don't say they respond wrong, but they don't, they don't take in what people are saying and give the appropriate reaction is what I'll say. Like a patient, patient will come in and say something and will be crying and the therapist or like doctor will be like, oh, I'm so sorry. Can we go on to this next thing? Like there needs to be some type of instruction on people addressing, responding correctly and empathizing because that goes so much further than people think. If you make someone at least feel that they are being heard and you understand, it can help with that mental state. Um, and like I said, we're going to be dealing with people across the field all the time. There needs to be some type of, you know, way we can teach everyone how to address things. Like we were talking uh, last episode, like there needs to be a way to address when someone brings up an issue of, you know, race that they had. Some, something just happened to them and they, they feel like vulnerable and angry. There needs to be a way to address that. Sexual assault, address that. Um, depression, feelings of, you know, worthlessness there needs to be ways to address that so i feel like you know just to add what everyone was saying i feel like if we get some teaching methods on that um as a profession like across the board like in all healthcare professions it'd be very beneficial yeah i definitely hear you on that um it's it's crazy how you know your reaction can really dictate the way somebody's day will go after they meet you and i i think as healthcare professionals we do need classes on that. And I would even go as further to say we, we need to, we, we need a class on body language, you know, our body language and reading patients body language, body language is so important. You know, you get so much information out of just looking at somebody's body language, you know, and um, I, I think that's something we could add to our school's curriculum. But um, continuing on to the topic of mental health within um, health professions, how do I'm going to toss this question to to you guys? How do you deal with you know, your own mental health during school, like during the hard times of school? So, say we're we're in finals week. How do you do? What what do you do to like get yourself in the right mindset to tackle that that exam? Uh, for me, it's kind of kind of gotten big on routine. So um, I kind of schedule things out for like, so I'll start my mornings off with some kind of exercise, um, just trying to wake myself up um, and then go eat breakfast. Reading, I've been started reading a lot of books. So I'm reading like different books on marketing and, you know, self-development books and um, things like that, just things to get my mind away from school. And then I'll go into studying for a certain amount of time and then once I hit that time that I'm trying to reach, that's it. You know, I, I don't 
spend hours and hours studying because you know I don't retain anything and that don't really help me like long term anyway. So, and then a big one, we just got a basketball hoop outside. So when I like need to take a break, I'll just go shoot some shoot some hoops and and try and stress relieve that way. That's like one of my biggest stress relievers. So I just get really big into routine and following that that schedule and you know it, it's been pretty good for me in terms of you know not of terms of when things get stressful i'm not gonna say it's been like easy but you know figuring out how to make that routine and staying discipline was the really hard part but once i started getting going with it it became a lot easier so i, I think uh that's kind of been what i go to when um things are stressful because when things are stressful you go back to your habits and if your habits are shit then it's going to be bad. So if you got good habits, then you can just start going up piece by piece. So really been working on building, building those good habits. I like those, man. Um, <laughs> I wasn't going to go into this too much because I, I was just going to answer specifically to the question, but my answer is kind of long winded because I feel like it's, it's helpful for people out there to hear things too. Um, so I'm just going to explain like a little bit of how, you know, I came up, in dealing with mental issues and then how it relates to how I deal with it in school. Cause um, I'd say I was kind of a quiet kid coming up. Um, like my personality was like Dame was saying earlier, I, I just, <laughs> being a young black kid, I, my, my dad told me this thing and it's stuck to me to this day. Like, and it's helped like you just roll with things. So I would always hold things in. I would hardly ever say anything. And I would usually just express myself out on the basketball court. I would go play, do whatever. All my emotions come out in music. Like I'm huge into music. Um, I literally could like express any emotion through certain songs. Um, and I would do that and I would, you know, I'd be quiet. I wouldn't express me. Of course, I would never like talk back to parents. I would hold in what I would say. Like, and I'm a very questionative person. Like get that from my grandfather. I'm an overthinker. So I'd always, you know, question things. So that kind of, you know, led into, as I got older, holding all types of emotions in um, until I found an outlet, which was detrimental, which I didn't understand until more recently, um, because not expressing myself, things would just come out at the wrong time, or I would, you know, explode at certain points, and I didn't understand, like, why I was so angry or so hurt. So, you know, of course, more things happened to me in my life to where I felt like, you know what, just using music and basketball isn't always working. Um, so something I do now as a student is like, Ming says, I would, I would, you know, go exercise, take my mind off things. A big thing is I'd ask for help. Um, I, I go to my classmates, I talk things out um, because <laughs> whether you know it or not, other people are feeling the same way you do, even if they don't tell you. Um, so hearing that also is helpful. Um, you know, if you need professional help, like talk to a counselor. I have a counselor now, um, which helps just get your mental thoughts out. You know, hearing what's going on in your head is so helpful. Um, of course, I still use music and that type of thing. Um, like just to, you know, listen to study. But, you know, you got to take breaks because you will burn out. Like many saying, I can't sit and study for a, a very long time. Um, you have to take breaks. You have to, you know, give yourself time to still enjoy life. I mean, we're in COVID right now, so there's not too many outlets you can, can you know, use. But um, yeah, I'd say like those have been things that have been very helpful um, just going forward and trying to avoid this burnout, but still be a good student at the same time. 
No, thank you for sharing that, AJ. Um, you really highlighted like the importance of, you know, just always having that person to go back to. And, you know, it, a lot of times people don't want to seek professional help because it's like, it's looked down upon or it's, it could be expensive, but I think people, I think people overestimate how, how much a regular person could help them. You know, um, these people, they, they go to school for so many years and, you know, they get licensed for a reason and they're, they have all these tactics and methods to specifically help you. And, you know, you don't want to rely on like a, a, a person who's not licensed. It's, it's a good start, but like if you rely on them and, you know, things go far to the edge, you know, there's no turning back. And then you got to wish that you sought, you know, professional help. So definitely agree with you on that. Yeah, I had one more question. I agree with what you both said. Um, getting uh, professional help, very much recommended. I, I got one and it's been it's been wonderful because it's just someone you can voice your thoughts to, voice what's going on in your head. And, you know, it feels good to feel like you've been listened to. Now, whether, you know, you find the ultimate solution, that might come over a period of time, but just that first step of feeling like you was listened to is, is super huge. And I got one more question for you guys. I want to throw you away. So if you were talking to another PT student right now, and there was like, I'm having trouble with this, I don't feel like, I don't feel like I'm getting anything. I don't think I belong here. What kind of advice would you give them to try and help them get through, you know, the rigors of PT school? If they're saying like they, they don't feel like they're getting anything or don't belong here, I would first try to see what I could do personally for them. You know, trying to maybe help ease the, some of those thoughts, um, reassure them like you're here for a reason. Um, offer studying help. Like I don't mind any of that. Like. I sometimes I had trouble taking my own advice, but I feel like I can, you know, help people feel a little bit better about themselves before it works on me. So I got to work on that. But um, I would definitely do what's in my power to make them feel like they're getting some type of help from me first. And then also in that, I would say if you feeling like, you know, things just still aren't to where you want them, like offer the the help of the professionals that we know we have services in our school for because they want to see us succeed just as much as we want to. Um, they don't want people, you know, feeling, you know, overwhelmed and like they need to, to quit and uh, they don't feel like they belong or they're in the right place. Um, so hopefully I could create some type of, you know, beneficial aid to them, but um, I would definitely see what I could do first. Um, I don't necessarily like just shooting out like, Hey, go see professional help. Cause it, you know, I don't want to scare them and think like their problem is so big already that they need, you know, to seek this help. Like it's detrimental. Like, Oh my gosh, I don't professional help. I'm not going to get any better. That's why I like to, you know, make it personal first. Like, let me see what I can do to help you. Like, let me, let me talk to you, see what's going on. So that'll be my advice first. Um, I think for me, Thing I would want to like level the playing field right so uh, a lot of times and I think this is especially true with me um, I don't like seeking help from those 
that I perceive as better than me. I, I know it's weird. So I, I guess I don't like being perceived as less, less than. So what I would do is, you know, I would relate to them and say, you know, I experience the same thoughts and feelings. Um, you know, sometimes I don't feel like I belong or I don't think I could do this and that. Um, can you explain your mindset behind why you feel that you can't do this or that or why you feel like you don't belong here? And then, you know, one by one, we will try to work through each and every one of those things. Um, I, I think approaching the person as one to one as a person, um, it, it really helps, you know, like instead of instead of trying to resolve the problem with like different different resources you can refer them to just just having that genuine conversation could like really change um a person a person's um thoughts and feelings about themselves um uh, if that doesn't help then you know i i could tell them what i've done and then hopefully you know they seek one of those those resources that i've taken you know to secure my spot in pt school Real quick before you jump in there, man, I think it's so interesting Damien said that because we were just talking about that stigma in the black community. And it's so weird because that should not be the first thought that comes to your mind. Like, I don't want to seek help because it makes me feel less than. That's that's like so on point with how it is in the black community. Like if you say or express your feelings, you feel as less of a man than you really are. Like you're less of a person. And I just thought it was so interesting Damien said that because if you need a better example, that's exactly like what we're talking about. You should never want to, you know, avoid seeking help because that's the feeling you get, which is understandable. I, when you said it, I understood completely because I used to feel the same way. But it's just interesting that you said that because, I mean, if people didn't understand, like, that's, you know, part of what it is. Yeah, bro, you just got to be honest with yourself, you know. Um, I, I think it, it's taken a long time for me to reach this point where I'm just like completely open, honest. But you know it, it's it's a real it's a real feeling you know I, and and I, I'm okay with admitting that you know I I, I seek my help in, in secret and you know I'm as long as I'm here graduating in 2022 I'm okay with that. Now, I appreciate both of your answers to that because I was I asked that because I feel like that was me when we first got here. Um, I felt like you know we I worked really hard just like everybody else to get into PT school. You finally get here and you realize, oh, like people got really good clinical skills, hands-on skills, and I don't come from that background. And I, I wasn't doing good on quizzes and stuff. So I was like, you know, am I in over my head? And I think when things started to shift, it was when I did start, I had to sit down and be like, all right, bro, you need help. Like you need to get over yourself. I think that ego was so big that I wouldn't ask for help. So then I was like, yo, you need to ask for help. You need to figure out, you know, what other people are doing that's working for them so you can take pieces from them and, and start getting better grades because work too hard to get here and you can't, like, fail out after the first semester. Like, so I, I just feel like I just wanted to ask your guys' perspective on that because I feel like, like AJ kind of said, if, if you're, you might be having, you might have a question and some, like, 10 other people have the same question. So if I was feeling that way, I'm sure there were, hundreds of other students across the the nation who was feeling that way so appreciate your guys's responses to that yeah no no problem man and um going back to like that previous question about what i do for my mental health during school um well pre-covid i used to lift um i think you guys like noticed like i'll run to the gym right after class 
after that three-hour session. And um, it, it's so relieving. Like, I feel like I'm a, as soon as I step off of campus, I'm a completely different person. It's like I'm a, in a complete different my, um, headspace. But I can't do that now that I'm in COVID. So what, what I do now is um, instead of lifting, I'm, I'm actually doing yoga a lot. So I'm getting my flexibility game up. It's quite nice. Um, and then um, I would just chill out on like the mat after. And I would just have like these out of body experiences. It's, it's crazy. Like I, I sound crazy, but it's cool. And I would, I would remind myself like, why, why am I here? How did I get here? And what, what am I trying to achieve after I graduate? You know, um, I think it's always important in those times of doubt to reconnect with like your purpose. And um, I, I think that will bolster anybody's um, ambition and drive to get through those tough, those tough times. I completely agree. And you know, I know what you mean with the out-of-body experience. Like I would experience it like, you know, after being on the court, I, I'd lay down and like just look up at the ceiling or like on the train ride um, from, you know, school to my apartment. Like I'm just sitting there and I'm thinking like, all right, I'm here. What am I doing? Like, I have like a reason for being here. Um, so it's, you know, it's interesting, but, uh, it's definitely something you need to, you got to find that, that reason for, you know, continuing to go on. Um, especially, you know, now, now, now times with like COVID and everyone's kind of stuck together. You got to find that drive again. So, um, no, I, I understand completely where you're saying the the mental aspect of, you know, focusing on school but taking care of yourself at the same time is it's not it's not easy. But um I think we're we're on the right right track. We got some good help around us, so hopefully it uh just continually gets better from here. Dan, can oh, I ask more question? Oh yeah, go ahead, man. The the yoga sessions. How where are you where are you getting them from? Um, so I, I check out this YouTuber called um, Yoga with Adrian. Um, she's dope. It's it's really easy. I, I could do it. So I think anybody could do it. All right, cause uh, I feel like I, I hear about it all the time. Yoga yoga is good for you. I I just need it. I need to try it. So I was just curious. I was just curious. No doubt. Um, AJ, you you have any uh, last questions? Just like to the group. Um, like, what do you think? You know as we're black PTs and like we, we come across, you know, a young man in the future, young black male comes to us in the clinic and he has these same things. Like you can tell he's going through something and, you know, he has that ego where he's like, I don't need help. You don't want to seem less than or anything. What as a grown man now would you tell him to hopefully, you know, enable or bolster him to actually, be okay expressing yourself or getting help? I think I'll just be straight up honest with him. You know, I, I was in your shoes. You know, I, 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 I felt, I felt some uh, similar things to what you're feeling. And this is what I did. And, um, and I'm telling you this because I, I see you and me, I see me and you, and I want you to succeed just as I have, you know, cause this is, this is a land of opportunity. And, um, you sh you should have that same opportunity. I agree. I agree with that. Um, I think I kind of think the honesty approach is the best best way to go. Because I mean, you can't kind of sugarcoat those things because what they're experiencing is is real, something we've all gone through. And I kind of try this stuff with my brother. 
and and like because he's what he's 17 now and he's about to go off to college next year or he's thinking about it he's trying to think and figure out what he's trying to do so i just try to be as straight up as i can and he might look like he's not paying attention or anything but i know he hears it though and then he'll come back later sometimes he'll come back and be like yeah remember when you told me this i tried it and it's working now i'm like bro i told you I do this <laughs> like I'm good at this <laughs> but uh you know I think uh I think just uh you can't like you just got to try and be as, as honest as you can and they, they'll hear it it'll stick it'll stick because they know you coming from the right spot and, and as long as they feel like they that you rocking with them they'll they'll listen and as long as you your genuine self you know people can see when you ain't yourself so I think uh if, as long as you're genuine and, and you tell them straight from the heart what you what you think um then i think that's really all that we can do and then it's up to them to you know take that time to to sit and reflect and think about you know what options they want to make moving forward yeah i appreciate that because i was thinking you know it's so prevalent in you know our community especially if we're going to be in the pc field like we have a young black man come in who's like an athlete and you know he's been told most of his life that's his only way out to get you know to a better life but he has an injury where he's going to be like out of his season for, you know, months or a year. And as much as he's like pushing to get back physically, like it's wearing on him because he's seeing his opportunity go out the door. So it's like, you know, that mental aspect comes in and I was just trying to picture, you know, what, what would I tell him? Like, you know, mental stability is just as important as physical health. So I was just trying to, you know, piggyback, see what you guys would say, because I want him to know, like, yeah, there is depression. There's like athletic depression where you have that issue where you, you feel like, all right, my opportunity for a better life is being taken away because I can't do sports anymore. So I just want to, you know, see what y'all would say, because I definitely run into people that had that issue. They realize like their dream is gone and they're depressed and they're trying to get back to physically at the point where they can try again. But at the same time, they're down on themselves now. Their confidence is gone. They feel less than all these things. So um, I appreciate y'all giving me that answer. It's, uh, it's definitely something we're going to have to probably combat in the future, but I think we'll be ready for it. No, this, def this uh, conversation has definitely been like a great like awareness. So thank you for asking that. Um, well, Meng, AJ, thank you for being here. This has been episode five of the, PT the DPT Expedition. And uh, you can hear this, you can listen to this on your favorite streaming platform. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening and joining us. Please check us out on Instagram at the DPT Expedition and your favorite podcast streaming platform. Keep tuning in and we will see you next time.